Hello, 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 and welcome to this, the bonus part of today's FYI. I hope you are enjoying our chat on urban legends. I think it's fascinating, as I said, uh, even though I don't believe many of them, that doesn't mean I don't read up on them. And to read up on is estudiar o investigar. And we're going to take a look at some of the most common ones. But first, let's start with some hauntings. Because technically, this could be an urban legend too. I mean, the story makes sense. Somebody died in this house, now it's haunted. But again, not everybody has seen these ghosts. Only certain witnesses. And this is again, why people from all over the world travel to go to these places to see if they can get any paranormal activity or to just maybe realize that, as I said, there isn't a ghost and there never was. That's something that, uh, that there are TV shows and whole TV stations based on this. Our first stop is in Long Island, or as we call it in New York, Long Island. La gela, la más fuerte. Long Island. And I'm sure you guys have heard about this one because there's a movie, there's even a book written about this one, and it is the Amityville House. Now, patrons, I'll share a picture of it. The house itself looks like it has eyes. It's got almost like a human-type look. It's smiling at you, but it's not a nice smile. It's a sinister smile. And what happened? Well, if you're not familiar with it, again, you can check out Amityville. That's the town in Long Island. But this word has become synonymous with terror and hauntings. And this was because uh, in 1974, this is November 13th, a guy named Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed six members of of his family. Now, the house is located at 112 Ocean Avenue. Acuérdate en inglés, siempre ponemos el número primero en un in an address, in una dirección. So 112 Ocean Avenue, a large Dutch colonial style house. It's in a suburban neighborhood uh, on the sh the south shore, la orilla sur of Long Island. And so this guy, you know, a brutal murder, a heinous murder occurs in this house. And then in 1975, this is December 1975, about a, a little over a year after, uh, a family named George and Kathy Lutz and their three children, the Lutzes, they move into the house. Well, do you know how long they lasted in this house? 28 days. After 28 days, the Lutzes said, we can't take it. And they fled. The word fled comes from the word flee. Uir. And they fled the house. They claimed that not that they were haunted, but they were terrorized by paranormal phenomena. So, uh, of course, they up and left. So again, they could be making it up, but would you go through all that effort to make something like that up when really it makes sense that there's some kind of energy left behind from what happened there. So again, this is all stuff that can be debated and that's I think what makes it interesting too. There's always a debate to be had. 
The next one is another really famous one, which involves murders as well. And this is the Lizzie Borden House. The Lizzie Borden House is located in Fall River, Massachusetts. And this is a haunted bed and breakfast. Again, there are many, many haunted places, but there are some where it just makes sense due to what happened in that place before. So this bed and breakfast was the site of a gruesome and highly publicized murder. The murder took place in 1892. Now, she was acquitted. To be acquitted is to be found not guilty. But she was suspected of killing her father, this Lizzie Borden woman, killing her father and her stepmother with a hatchet. So I guess they couldn't bury the hatchet. <laughs> uh, okay, not a good time to make a joke. Enterrar el hacha, to bury the hatchet. People visit this house, just like the Amityville house, and they go there. It's a mecca for ghost chasers and people who are trying to get to the bottom of it. And to get to the bottom of it is investigar qué ocurre o qué ocurrió. Another one is the Queen Mary. Now, up until now, we just looked at haunted houses. But houses aren't the only things that can be haunted. What about a ship? Well, the Queen Mary is a ship that sailed the North Atlantic for 31 years. It was a very famous ship. Celebrities were on it. It actually even helped defeat Hitler at one time when it was used for war purposes. And now it is retired and docked over in Long Beach, California. And again, I'm not the kind of person who believes in things I can't see. I'm a tangible kind of guy. I want to see it. I want to feel it. But I went to the Queen Mary. When I was living there, a friend of mine who lived in Long Beach, I was living in West Hollywood, so I had it was quite a drive, un poco lejos, but I drove to go visit a friend, and he goes, hey, we're going to go on the Queen Mary today. And I was like, the Queen Mary? You mean the ship? He goes, yeah, yeah, it's docked here. It's a hotel. It's got a bar and all that stuff. And he told me that the place was haunted. He said that there were sightings of little girls splashing, that ghosts are constantly roaming the deck. Uh, to roam is deambular, and the deck is la cubierta. Now, I don't know if it was because my friend put it in my head, but I could swear that I felt presences there. I'm not saying I saw like a table floating and flying through the air, but I felt a presence. I felt many presences. I felt an energy in the air. And that wasn't the first time I felt something like that. Again, you're, you're, you're listening to a skeptic right now. It also happened to me at Alcatraz, which is another place on our list of most haunted places in the United States. Again, if you look at all these places, terrible things have happened there. You know, there have been tragedies. There have been uh, travesties. Some people say energy is neither created nor destroyed. So could it be that that energy, call it a ghost, call it whatever you will, is still roaming around? Yeah, when I, when I was at the island of Alcatraz with some friends, it wasn't just me. All of us felt some kind of, you know, presence. There was uh, some coldness in the air. So it's not just like, you know, I feel like a lot of times, like I saw a ghost. Well, sometimes we don't see ghosts or we don't 
see entities, but we can feel something. And that's if you're in tune, as we say. Now, my problem is I'm pretty in tune and I don't want to be because I'm a scaredy cat. If I saw like a ghost for real, like literally saw it, I would run. Oh, man, you would see me run as fast as Usain Bolt. Oh, and if you go to Alcatraz, you got to stop by the dreaded Demido Cell 14D. The whole place is haunted, but they say that that's the most haunted corner of Alcatraz. Now, another thing we didn't look at, and it's another place that's been known to have all these stories around it, all this folklore, are battlefields. Campos de Batalla. And the Battle of Gettysburg, this was in Pennsylvania, the Battle of Gettysburg, it's one of the, the bloodiest battles of the Civil War. In fact, if you ask most Americans, we've heard of the Battle of Gettysburg. Even if we don't remember it, we studied it in depth in history class. And so they go there, paranormal experts, uh, ghost chasers, all these kind of people, because they say that the place is teeming with. And teeming means like overflowing with paranormal energy. Uh, visitors have reported seeing apparitions of Civil War soldiers. Uh, and, and all of these places have obviously capitalized on that. How many of these places do ghost tours? Remember, we were talking about New Orleans. Do you know how many ghost tours there are in New Orleans? The last time I checked, there were four or five. So again, it's in people's interests for these stories to continue spreading and propagating throughout pop culture. Because let's, let's think about it in the case of Gettysburg. Okay, the only people who are going to go to Gettysburg are history buffs, gente que le encanta la historia, or war heroes, you know, people who are into war, or, you know, battlefields, guns. But now, if there's a haunted element, I think that piques everyone's interest, young and old. And the last place I chose, I just wanted to choose a bunch of different places so we don't only talk about homes, but also a lighthouse, un faro. It's a very logical word in English. A lighthouse in St. Augustine. Now, St. Augustine, Florida is one of the oldest towns in the United States. And this lighthouse became infamous during the Civil War. And now they say that the lighthouse keeper is still there. You can see him. He makes appearances. And they say he's a friendly ghost, like our friend Casper. And yes, you can sign up for one of their ghost tours at night. So again, people are capitalizing off of this. You know, it reminds me of Area 51. What would Area 51 and, and Roswell be without the, the UFOs? Who would go there? Nobody. So in, in the end, it's a draw. A draw is algo que atrae la gente. It's something that will bring people to your city, aside from the other things. Now, I just spent the last few minutes telling you about haunted places in the United States. But I don't live in the United States anymore. So I wanted to see what the most haunted places in Spain were. And I have a list here. Now, I'll ask you guys if you're familiar with these. Maybe some of them you are, some of them you aren't. And I imagine some, you can add your own places to the list. The first place on our list, most haunted places in Spain. This is Teatro Eslava in Madrid. 
Teatro Eslava. Number nine, Belmez de la Moraleda in Jaén. Uh, this list, if you want to check it out, I'll share it on Patreon, but also it was compiled by Idealista. Number eight, the old building of the Provincial Council of Granada in Granada. So there are two in Andalucía right now. The next one takes us to Alicante, the Preventorium of Aguas de Busot in Alicante. I haven't heard of that one. Number six, the ghost of Catalina in Casa Lercaro. Lercaro, excuse my pronunciation. It's in Tenerife. Number five is in Burgos, the mystery of Ochate. Number four, the sanatorium of Santo Ángel de la Guarda in Madrid. Ooh, I would love to do some of that exploring there. They call it urban exploring. But remember, a lot of these places are off limits. If you get caught by the police, you could get in trouble for trespassing. But there are a lot of really cool videos on YouTube of people who take that risk. Sure, well, they have millions of people watching their videos. So they say, okay, if I get a fine, I'll pay it. <laughs> Uh, so sanatorium, that's interesting because those places, usually old jails, old mental institutions, those places tend to be haunted as well. The fourth, uh, excuse me, third, the third place on our list is Cortijo Jurado in Malaga. And that's another one I'm not familiar with. Number two, Thorax Hospital, which is located in Terraza. And number one, the House of the Seven Chimneys in Madrid. And this was uh, supposedly the love nest of Captain Zapata and his wife, Elena. It's located in Plaza del Rey. His wife was found dead in his bedroom there, and they never found the cause of death. So that and the fact that her body disappeared without a trace, sin rastro, is without a trace. So they say that she haunts the place. She walks between the seven chimneys, maybe for revenge, maybe to tell her story. Who knows? And now I'd like to take a look at some of these characters that we have created all around the world. Now, I, I imagine, as I said, some of these will be more American. Some of them will be more from the West, El Occidente, but they are all these urban legends that people know of and have heard of, whether they believe them or not, again, is a different story. But again, if we don't believe, then game over. So believing them is half the fun. The first one is the Chupacabras. I love the name of this one. <laughs> the goat sucker. And yeah, this is a, a creature, a folkloric creature, which supposedly was first seen in Puerto Rico in 1995. And it got its name because of its vampirism. And yeah, supposedly the Chupacabra was said to attack and then drink the blood of its prey, including goats, hence the name Chupacabras, goat sucker. Now in English, we don't call it a goat sucker. We know the name Chupacabras. I even remember it being on the news. So see, oh, ya está la noticia, tiene que ser verdad. See, I just fell victim to the, the thing I just warned you guys about in the first part of the show. And speaking of warning, if you guys don't do your homework, the boogeyman is going to get you. 
<laughs> the boogeyman. I think you call him, do you call him El Hombre del Saco? This guy who comes, uh, and I think the boogeyman is basically the greatest invention of parents ever. Yeah, because the boogeyman is, oh, you don't want to brush your teeth? The boogeyman's going to get you. Oh, you don't want to take a bath? Well, the boogeyman's coming. And the boogeyman is this character that, uh, well, when you don't behave, they come. And I think in Spanish, is it hombre del saco? We call him the boogeyman. Parents use it all the time. And now that I think about it, governments use it too. Careful, the boogeyman is coming. The next one I think we're all familiar with, and this is Bigfoot. Another name for Bigfoot is Sasquatch. And this is an ape-like creature that supposedly inhabits the forests of North America. And he's very big in Canadian and American folklore. And there are pictures. That's the thing. A lot of these, the Loch Ness Monster, which we're going to look at in a moment, there are pictures. The question is, is that what they're saying it is? Or is it just uh, a gorilla? Who knows? I don't know. I wish I knew the answers. But Bigfoot? Sasquatch? I mean, there are a lot of photographs, audio recordings, footprints. So again, you could say there's no such thing. Que no existe. But you've got a huge segment of the population who begs to differ. And they've got proof, according to them. Now, this one comes from the East, the Yeti. Now, we call the Yeti the abominable snowman. That's crazy. We've even made like a devilish, crazy snowman. Well, yeah, the, the Yeti supposedly inhabits the Himalayan mountain range in Asia. Basically, it's like a big, hairy creature that lives in the snow. There are video recordings, photographs, casts of large footprints, but... A lot of people say it's a hoax. People who don't believe there's such a thing as a Yeti, well, they explain it as a bear or a yak. So again, you'll, you'll see that many times. They say, oh, that's not Bigfoot. That's a bear. That's a yak. If it's just a bear, well, story's done. Let's go home. Game over. If there's something there, something else, more than meets the eye, como decimos, well, then that makes it even more interesting. So I think there's a part of us that doesn't want to accept things on the surface. It's the same reason we believe magic tricks. We want to believe that there's magic and not that it's some guy with a hole in his sleeve. No, que tiene un agujero en su manga. I just mentioned this one, the Loch Ness Monster. Now, it's funny because it's Lago Ness. And the word Lago in English is lake. However... We call this Loch Ness. We use the Scottish word, Loch Ness Monster, or Nessie, as they call her. And we've all seen that picture. There's that famous picture of this dinosaur, dragon-like looking creature, which is peeking its head out of the water. And you want to know something? Loch Ness? Okay, there are a lot of lakes in Scotland, but I guarantee... Loch Ness is one of the most visited ones. Why? Because of the Loch Ness Monster. So they can't afford in todos los aspectos. No pueden permitirse el lujo o costear que desaparezca esta leyenda. This legend has to remain because if, if there is no Loch Ness Monster, well, why are we going up there? Think about Transylvania. 
I'd love to go to Transylvania, but half of the reason I want to go to Transylvania is because of the folklore that's around it. So whether it's true or not, I think it is so important. It's vital for the local economy. This one comes from, well, close to the area where I grew up, and it's called the Jersey Devil. And I know what a lot of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, oh, like the, like the hockey team with the logo, the New Jersey Devils? Well, yeah, that's where they got the name from. But what is the Jersey Devil? Well, according to urban legend, again, that's, that's the, the phrase for all of these here, there is a creature that inhabits the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. Now, the Pine Barrens is a forest area full of pine trees, pinos. And people have seen this. There have been sightings of this creature that has hooves, and uh, the devil has hooves. A goat has hooves. Horses have hooves. But this thing has got like a kangaroo-like look. Something that's like a mix between a horse and a goat. But it also has wings and horns. So that's where it gets the devil name. And supposedly, it lets out this high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. And there's a legend. The legend behind the Jersey Devil was that a woman had a child with Down syndrome and she locked that child away from society and that child escaped and that child became the Jersey Devil. Now, see, isn't that a lot more entertaining than saying, oh, yeah, a goat and a horse mated, you know, procrearon and you got that ugly looking thing over there. My wife loves that one. When I tell her about the Jersey Devil, she goes, tell me more, tell me more. And I'm like, well, it's not, I don't think any of it's really true, but everybody in New Jersey tells this story and everybody around that area is familiar with that story. Here's one that's pretty much global as far as I know. I mean, again, we have different variations. We'll give it a different name, but the function is the same. And I'm talking about the Tooth Fairy. La Hada de los Dientes, the Tooth Fairy. Uh, what do you say, Ratoncito Perez? Is that uh, the Tooth Fairy? It's funny, uh, the little Perez mouse. <laughs> we call it the Tooth Fairy. And, but it's the same thing, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the way it works is when you lose one of your baby teeth, right? It falls out or you lose it. Well, you put it under your pillow or on your night table. And the tooth fairy will pay you a visit while you're sound asleep. And they will replace that lost tooth with some change. You know, a little something special. And I get it. I get it, parents. Because, you know, when you lose a tooth, that's a painful thing. So it's nice to know that, okay, once you get through this hard part, the tooth fairy is going to pay you a visit. And you're going to get a reward. See, in some cases... I think it's a good thing to create these characters, especially if we're using them to promote good behavior, good habits. The only thing I don't like is the manipulation thing, you know, manipulating people. Oh, there's a boogeyman who's going to come and get you if you don't do exactly what I say. So there's a fine line between telling a tale and manipulating and how could I forget about the Sandman? 
exit light into night. Take my hand, we're off to never, never land. This is Metallica's song, The Sandman. And it's interesting because The Sandman, I looked him up, and he's really a European folkloric creature, but we use him in the United States. And the Sandman, quizá le llamáis por otro nombre, he's the guy who comes and he puts all the kids to sleep. And what he does is he sprinkles this magic powder, this magic sand into their eyes so they have beautiful dreams. Do you guys have something similar? The Sandman? And I wanted to wrap up today's episode looking at those ones that even when we're adults, we want to believe them. Why? Because they've become part of our holiday celebrations. They've become part of our decorations, part of our families. And I'm talking about Santa Claus, right? In the end, what is that? That's an urban legend. You know, okay, they took the story of Saint Nick. He was a generous guy, but then they, you know, changed it around. And then you got that manipulation thing in there. If you're not good, Santa Claus is not going to bring you any gifts. And I think it's great. Remember, as a parent, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Again, once you're an adult, you're like, so you spent 10 years of my life telling me that if I was good, a, a made-up guy was going to bring me gifts, and I bought it? Y yo lo creí? Some fat guy with a beard? Yeah, we all bought it. So Santa Claus, you know it from the song. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Lo dice todo en la canción. The Easter Bunny, there's another one. The Easter Bunny brings you surprises and eggs and also, I guess, the new season that is upon us. And unicorns. I mean, we could go on and on and on. But I think one of the greatest things about these is not whether they're true or not, but the fact that throughout the years we have been entertained by these stories. We've been motivated by these stories. And I think it's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to believe. Everybody wants to think that there's more than meets the eye. Más de lo que conoce el ojo. Thank you so much for being here on this episode of FYI.